0: This is an amazing congregation. It's so great to worship our great God together. Jack started us off and he called us to worship with Psalm 24. And Psalm 24 tells us that heaven's gates have been opened by a glorious king, that heaven itself is, is now open, it has access to you and me. Sinners like us can boldly go into God's presence because of a king named Jesus. And this king is a mighty warrior of a king. And he defeated all of God's and our enemies, including sin, including death. And so right now, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you bring into this place, today is the day that we can say we can enter into God's presence. Amazing joy, amazing blessing So we can say, hey, better is one day. I mean, better is one day than a thousand outside of God's presence. Let me ask the question that many of you are asking. Maybe even now. Really? Really is better one day? Even having this great relationship with Christ, even having uh, the Christ's blood uh, cleanse us from our sins and and Christ's righteousness robing us... uh, we still have such affliction and pain and sorrow and calamities. Sometimes we want to say, really, better is one day? I have good news for all of us is that God will tell us why it is better, why that even in the midst of any storm that He sends our way, that in Christ Jesus there's amazing victory. In Christ Jesus, there's amazing hope. In Christ Jesus, there's amazing peace for us today. God's word for us today is really very timely, as always, quite amazing. It answers the question of how can we, with integrity, live the lives that we live with the sadness and the brokenness and the trials that we have, and still say, better is one day with God. So let's pray and join our hearts together, ask him to come and speak, because I know I need it. I know you need it, too. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, it is true, whether I believe it or not, or whether my circumstances dictate it true or not, that better is one day in your presence because you are the greatest being. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, the eternal God, the creator God. Better is one day in your presence than the hell Of elsewhere. Father God, we thank you for who we are in your Son. We thank you for what He has done for sinners like us. We thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that, that can reside in us in Christ Jesus, that with integrity and truthfulness, We can sing that it is glorious. It is better to be in your presence than anywhere else. Father, I pray that you would come with such power now through the preaching of your word that there would not be one soul here that would be able to leave here and not agree with the reality that the best place all of us can be is with you and your favor and your love and your presence. Father, there might be someone here that will learn that for the first day we rejoice. May today be the day, of the salvation for many. For some of us, we need to be reminded of this afresh. We've forgotten the circumstances and the pain that we find ourselves have defined us. And we need to be reminded of the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And that better is one day in his presence. Father, the things that I say that are true and contain the good news of Christ Jesus, would you use those things to make us more like Jesus? The things I say that are wrong or that are my opinion, may they be forgotten quickly. Our great King, bring yourself glory. Give us joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm a man of tradition. I like... The same restaurants, go to them all the time. A man my size, they know me when I'm coming in. Usually order the same things. You really, a lot of people say, Jeff, you seem to have a personality. You try a lot of different things. No, I go back to the same place for vacation over and over and over again. I like the same family traditions. I feel very comfortable in them. How about you? I don't know about you, but there's certain even seasonal traditions and Christmas traditions that we have that it wouldn't be Christmas without them. I know it's July. I know it's nowhere near Christmas, but I'm trying to get to a point. All right. So will you hang on there for a minute? Christmas wouldn't be Christmas in the Jake's household if we didn't watch two movies, Christmas vacation and a Christmas story. If that doesn't get you ready for the birth of a savior named Jesus, nothing will and I don't know what it is about the Christmas story that I love, but I love it. It's a, it's a story of a boy named Ralphie. Ralphie grew up in Indiana in the 1950s, I think, in that era. And the story of Ralphie is told from Ralphie as an adult. It's kind of an adult voice that narrates Ralphie's story and his desire at Christmas time. So, those of us who know that Ralphie was consumed with one. Thing that he wanted for Christmas. Nothing else mattered. He just wanted one thing for Christmas. What did Ralphie want? Exactly. You've seen it too. You know, I mean, PBS, they're TBS, they show it 24 hours. He wanted a Red Ryder BB gun, even when the world told him, you will shoot your eye out. All right? Well, Ralphie, one of the scenes of the movie that intrigues me, Ralphie is watching uh, or listening watching, date myself here, Ralphie is listening to a radio show, Little Orphan Annie, interesting name, uh, he's listening to Little Orphan Annie, he's got this big, huge radio, probably has the old tubes in it, had a heat up, and he was sitting by the radio, loved that, that show, and during the show, each time, uh, there was a secret message given out to those in membership and had a decoder ring. And if you had a decoder ring, Little Orphan Annie had a very special message for you alone. And and, and Ralphie lamented he missed it. He loved the show, but he just couldn't get on the inside. So the movie showed us that day after day after day, Ralphie went to the mailbox. No matter what was in there for anybody else, didn't matter. He wanted his decoder ring. It finally arrived. Ralphie couldn't wait to get there and and wait to that time where that special message would be given for just those who had to decode a ring to get this great news. So Ralphie, as as the ring uh, was being used, and uh, he was going through there and decoding this secret message, feverishly writing down what they had to say. And if you remember, he gets to the end of it and it says, Drink more Ovaltine. And he's like, it's a lousy commercial. You know, I I got the decoder ring. I, I thought I was on the inside, and really it was nothing more than a lousy commercial. The gospel of Jesus Christ, God tells us, is God's ultimate decoder ring. It's God's ultimate decoder ring and in a sense where it will unlock the mysteries of God in Christ Jesus. That in Christ Jesus, it fulfills all the promises that God has for us in Christ Jesus. That Jesus really is the, the ultimate decodering that, that now that in Christ Jesus, we looked at this last week and it was such an important part of scripture. If you missed it, let me strongly encourage you, go back and, and listen to last week's sermon online because it's such the gospel. But here's what we found out last week, that in Christ Jesus, in this amazing decoder of, of, of his life, death and resurrection, that we could be reconciled to God. I'm going to tell you what that means, is that those of us who by nature are children of wrath, by nature sinners who, who continually stumble and fall, that we've been made right with a holy God. I mean, the God who's, who is holy, we can now stand in his presence. Heaven's been opened up. And we have been reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, we're declared not guilty. I mean, he loves us and he's accepted us through the sacrifice, the life, death, and resurrection of his son. But there's more. I mean, there's more than what Jesus has done for us and this amazing decoder of Jesus who's united us to God. He also says we're now in partnership with God. That God not only made us right, but he made us brothers and he, he made us a part of his family. And now he says, listen, you are to be reconciling the world through the good news of Christ because God reconciled the world to Himself through Christ Jesus. He didn't count our sins against us last week, but He has given us a ministry of reconciliation that we now are His ambassadors. We're to tell the world the good news of Jesus. We got the Dakota ring. Amazing. So, how come our lives are so broken? So how come we're so hurting? So how come there's still such a mess? The passage we're going to look to today says this. You see, there were people that were looking at Paul's life, and he just was preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ, saying you could be reconciled with God in Christ, and you could be made a part of partnership with God in Christ Jesus. And you know what? The the people were looking at his life saying, you're kidding me, Paul. You're not reconciled to God. I mean, man, there's so, there's so much persecution in your life. There's so much hardship in your life. There's so much calamities in your life. I mean, Paul, you're so afflicted. Are you kidding me? You're, you're telling me you're blessed of God? Not only that, they said, God, you can't really be a messenger for God. How can a messenger of God be as beat up as you? Paul, they said, your life goes against your message. Paul, your life is speaking clearer and louder than this reconciliation stuff, but this partnership with God stuff. And Paul says something amazing that we all need to hear. Amazing. He says, no, no, you don't understand it. The afflictions, the hardships, the calamities, they don't disqualify me from being reconciled with God. They don't disqualify me from being in partnership with God. They actually are used to prove that I'm in partnership with God. So I have good news of great joy for all of us. Is that God has reconciled to us to Christ Jesus through the work of Christ. And has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And the junk in our lives doesn't disqualify us. And the brokenness of our lives and the burdens that we still carry don't disqualify us. And the afflictions that we actually are going through will prove God's favor. Hmm. Let's look at God's holy word. We're going to pick up right where we left off, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at the first 13 verses of this amazing letter for us. And by by the way, for those of you who keep track of these kind of things, uh, felt led to preach through uh, this book in the uh, New Living Translation. Very easy, accessible. Uh, Today I'm going to be preaching from the ESV. It's common for me. Looking at the original and really what Paul originally intended to say, I felt the ESV uh, captured it a little bit more clearly. So um, we're going to be looking at God's word. But what we can know is this. This was written a long time ago for a different group of people with different groups of problems. But because it's God's word, because it's God's breath, we can trust it. And it's written for you. And it's written for now. So whoever you are, wherever you sit, in whatever circumstances... God wants to speak to you through his word. So let us listen. Working together with him, Paul says, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You see, there's this partnership he's talking about. For he says, in favorable time, I listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable season there, really, favorable time Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let me just hit pause and ask you this. Paul was saying, because I'm reconciled to God, because I'm in partnership with God, this is the season of God's favor. This is the day of salvation. Does it feel that way for you? Is it really the season of God's favor? Let's keep reading. Verse 3. We put no obstacles in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless night, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. I love this. Is having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you have restricted in your own affection. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Let's just pray. Father, there's a lot of stuff here. Would you widen our hearts to understand it? It sounds a little bit confusing. Would you come and give clarity to your word so that we can digest it and live it for your glory? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, you'll have an outline there. We start off with this, because in verse 1, it says, Because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, we have had two things marvelous happen to us. We've been reconciled to God, we've been made right in His eyes, and we've been made partners with God. Amazing what the grace of God has done for us that we can see in verse 1. So now, so right this very nanosecond, no matter what is happening in your life, now we live in the season of God's favor. Hmm. The season of God's favor. God's wrath for sin has been poured out on His Son. He absorbed it completely. Amazing. God is no longer angry with us as sinners. He always leads with grace and mercy. We live in a season of God's favor. Because of what Christ has done through His life, His death, His resurrection. We live in the day of salvation. Today, Christ Jesus is freely offered around the world to all who will come to Him and embrace Him as Lord and Savior. Today is the day, good news, of the favor of God. Today is the day of salvation of the Lord. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why the afflictions? Why the hardships? Why the calamities? I mean, if we're reconciled with God, right? We're in partnership with God, and he's God. Season of favor, right? Day of the Lord. Afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, prison, other things. See, living in a season of God's favor, you've got to get this. I have to understand this. Living in a season of God's favor includes afflictions, hardships, and calamities. Because we still live in a fallen world and we're engaged in a battle with evil, Satan. He's a defeated foe, but we're not home yet. Let's look at a few of these things. Start off with afflictions. We're going to look at three of these things, afflictions, hardships, and calamities. Afflictions, being afflicted. These are the things being afflicted because of our beliefs in Jesus as Lord. Being afflicted for our beliefs in Jesus is Lord. You got to love Chick fil A. You got to. They got an amazing chicken sandwich, awesome waffle fries. They have Diet Dr. Pepper, as much as you want to get. Great place. But Chick fil A was founded by a Christian man named Hewitt Cathy, who had the great idea to honor God with his business and decided hey, let's not open up on Sundays. Sundays aren't a really great day in the mall to go get a chicken sandwich, he thought. Craziness. Who doesn't open up in fast food world on Sundays, even in malls? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A felt like, you know what? Hey, we, we, uh, we want to honor God, and we just want to put our priorities everywhere we go. Hewitt Cathy, now his son Dan Cathy, is uh, uh, running the business And he recently got himself into some little hot water with the world. Maybe you've read about some of the things that are happening. Dan Cathy said, Dan Cathy had the audacity to say this, and I quote, when he's talking about, do you believe in biblical uh, definition of marriage? He says, guilty is charged for backing the biblical definition of marriage. Igniting quite a fury. Quite a response. The mayor of Boston, we don't want Chick-fil-A in this town. Chicago saying similar things. Jim Hansen and his Muppet company pulling their toys, saying we don't want to be affiliated with someone who will take a stand that we believe in biblical standards. That's being afflicted. It's being persecuted for standing for Christ. Kathy further said, I think we're inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, we know better than you do as to what constitutes a marriage. Church of Jesus Christ, let me tell you that we should be being afflicted because of our stand for truth and our stand for Jesus. As we stand up for him and say, God, give us the grace and the faith to believe in your word and follow hard after you. Affliction should come from a world that hates us. How is it with your life? Is your life following Christ producing any affliction? It's a very bad sign if it's not. If there's no affliction in your life, it maybe means that you're catering, caving and not making any waves. I remember a very small uh, example of this in my own life. Uh, uh, first job out of college, Fortune 200 company, working right in midtown Manhattan. They had a big drive that all the managers had to give their fair share to. They would tell us what our fair share was, and they told us where our fair share went. And I had a problem with that, because where my fair share went was with the company, an organization that promoted things that I didn't believe in. So I said, No. Got called into the old boss's office. This is what we do here. This is how we behave as managers in this company. We give our fair share. Sir, I'm happy to give my fair share. I try to give at least over 10% of, of what God has given me, believing that it's not mine anyway. But I believe I'd be going against conscience for that. What areas in your life are you standing up for truth in the good news of Jesus and receiving affliction. If you're not, there's probably something wrong. If no one knows you're a follower of Christ, then you are. If no one sees you, take a stand. Examine your life. But I want to talk about self-afflictions because a lot of ways I think for this church and for this pastor, those are more prevalent than us standing up for Jesus and being attacked. Self-afflictions, living outside God's blessing, living in open sin. Do you know, church, that we cannot live outside of God's will and expect, not expect afflictions to come? Self-afflictions. These can and should be avoided. Let me name a few of them. Maybe an addiction to gambling. Maybe you just can't get over it. You're spending that money, try to make that extra buck just to have that thrill, uh, uh, gambling that will somehow eat away at what you're supposed to provide for your community, your church, and your family. Maybe it's self inflicted porn. Maybe it's, it's looking for satisfaction outside of where God can bless. Zach and I got together before he we went to Mexico and we're chatting, and he told me, he said, Jeff, porn is killing our kids. He's like, I got a phone from one of the good kids, and I'm not sure what that meant. Don't know who he is, and says, I just got his phone, and I just happened to look at his history, and he said, I, I, the first picture that came up, I'd never seen anything like it. I, just, oh, man. I tell you, I was terrified. Just thinking, man, it's 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 wreaking havoc in our churches, and in our pastors' life, and in our kids' lives, and, and all over the place. Self affliction trying to go and and trying to find pleasure outside of what God has promised to bless us with. Maybe it's cultivating a relationship with someone who's not your spouse. Self-affliction. I promise you this, the pain will always be greater than the satisfaction. I need to tell you, because I love you, God cannot bless you outside of his word and his character. You cannot live your life in a way that says, God, I know you said thou shalt not do this and I shouldn't do this, but I just know that you know how weak I am and I know you put me in these circumstances and I know you made that girl look so good and I know that you did all this or you did all that. And you say, well, I, God wants me to be happy. God doesn't want me to be lonely. I mean, God wants me to be fulfilled. And we start justifying ways of finding God's pleasure and yet living outside of God's will. It'll never happen, Ever. Maybe just for a season. Do you know that God loves you too much to bless you in those things? It's interesting. God says that those he loves, his children, he disciplines. We need to know this about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Afflictions will come. Self-afflictions will come. And God will show us areas in our lives that need to be worked on. And sometimes it's going to feel like detox. And sometimes it's going to really be hard. And it's going to be feeling like God's afflicted us. Don't forget the gospel. Listen. If you are a child of the king, he will never deal with your sin in a way that he's punishing you. He cannot do it. All of your sin, past, present and future, Jesus was paid the penalty. He was punished. God is not a god of double jeopardy. But we so so we got to know when affliction comes because we're living outside of God's word uh, and will, he's not punishing his children. He's disciplining his children. And God is not going to allow us to live lives outside of his will and bless it. He can't do it because he'd have to change. He'd have to stop being God. He'd have to stop being holy. He just can't do it. But man, is he merciful and loving. So afflictions. Those by standing up for him and those by those we punish ourselves. Hardships. These are the daily burdens we bear. We bear. During the season of God's favor, God's children will have hardships. And wow, do I know many of your hardships. Paul himself says in, Galatia, in chapter 12 of this 2 Corinthians that he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. I mean, he, he pleaded with God. He pleaded three times, please take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And God said, no, I'm not gonna do it. That's a hardship you're gonna endure. But my grace is gonna be enough. And amazing, you're going to find that in your weakness. My power shows up. Hardships. For you, it might be financial right now. For you, it might be relational. For you, it might be emotional or circumstantial. My brothers and sisters, we are God's children. He has chosen us. He has picked us. He has made us a holy nation. He has beautified us. But we live in a fallen world. Christ's kingdom is here, but it's not fully here Yet. And we are going to have hardships. So, what do we do with them? You know the crazy answer the scripture tells us to do with our hardships? You ready for this? Count them joy. Why? Because God says He won't give you more than you can handle. I think God thinks way too highly of me. <laughs> I can't handle this, God. I'm not even close to handling this. What are you doing? God says He'll give us the strength to endure. Your hardships, listen, in Christ Jesus, in his victory, in who we are in Christ Jesus. Here's the good news. Listen, your hardships will not define you. Your hardships will not defeat you. And what does Christ Jesus say to us? He says, cast them on me. Why? Because I care for you. Does God care for you in Christ Jesus? Cares enough to bleed for you. Cares enough to die for you. And now he says, I've opened up heaven. Come to me. Cast your burdens onto me. Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, anybody who's heavy laden, anybody who's burdened, come to me and you will have rest. How many of you like rest stops when you travel? They're for the weak, they're for the lame, and they're for the small bladder, okay? <laughs> Roll by those puppies. Get to your destination. Who needs rest stops? We do. God has created us to pull along the side of the road and say, come to me, Jesus says, come and get filled up. Come and be reminded that I love you and you're mine. Come and be reminded I'll never let you go. Come and be reminded I'll never leave you or nor forsake you. Come and be reminded of who you are in Christ, you're reconciled. Come and be reminded that you are in partnership with me. Come and be reminded that your circumstances won't define you. Your life is more than that. Come and let me define your circumstances and your life. Come and pull over and have a rest stop. We see that we're going to have afflictions. We see that we're going to have hardships. But God also shows us in Paul we're going to have calamities. Oh boy. Earth shaking tsunamis that crash into our lives. Sudden death of a loved one. Life and death battles. What a week. What a week. Don Thomas is sitting right to my left. And uh, Don got up on Friday and he made his son Asher pancakes. By Friday afternoon, Asher is not eating. Doesn't feel well. Just gets a little fever and has an unusual rash. So Jackie takes him to the, the doctors. And almost immediately, they think he might have leukemia. So within 24 hours, that little boy has been diagnosed. And yesterday, I had the privilege of going and spending some time at the hospital with Jackie and little Asher as he's getting a blood transfusion. Monday, he goes in for a port. Chemo starts Monday. Three, three and a half year treatment, it looks like. How old has he done? Two and a half. It's the most treatable kind of leukemia. He's got a white blood cell issue that makes him high risk. Calamities. Calamities happen to the body of Christ. I had the privilege of going and uh, spending time... uh, with Liani Stenenkamp, she's here. Liani, uh, Peter, Thomas, and Eric—they're from South Africa. They joined a few years ago. Her dad passed away. Pastor for 40 years, a fire, tragically. I was asked to go and say a few words at a friend's house. Calamity. What do we do? Listen, are we really reconciled to God? Are we really on the same team? I mean, this is the season of God's favor? This is the day of the Lord? What do we do? Church, what do we do? We're in Christ. Our brothers and sisters, we're in Christ. We're in Christ Jesus, and, we, and no matter what, we're in his victory. We're robed in his righteousness. And listen, we've been forgiven I can't get over what Jackie said. I mean, Jackie said, listen, if Jesus is with us, we can go through this. The worst is, is that we're with Him. We can live through that. What what gives a young mother the ability to say that is in Christ. Because in Christ Jesus, He will ride through the storm with you as King of kings and Lord of lords, as Emmanuel. Never, ever will you be alone. And in Christ Jesus, he'll do one of two things. He'll ride with you through the storm or he'll stand up in the boat of your life and he'll say, silence! No more. And Don, I'm praying that he'll stand up and say, silence. But if not, you're not gonna go through this alone. We have to remind ourselves continually, be in Christ it's who we are. We're reconciled. We're loved. But we also, I can tell you, we got to be in church. And we have to be together. We, we really need to be together. We need to remind one another. We need to link arms with one another. We need to hear God's word and God's truth. We need to be reminded that we have victory, that He's coming back. There's a day coming with no more tears, no more sorrow. We need to be here. And we got to be in community. I mean, we listen, we got to be around people who know us and love us and know our junk and still love us. And when our world falls apart, we'll remind us of who we are in Christ Jesus. And when I, when I showed up to say a few words to Leoni, I just thought it maybe a family or two. And all of a sudden, there was a community group that was there. I mean, all of a sudden, there was a, a whole group of people who showed up and, and loved and, and reminded one another. We sang hymns together. We read Scripture together. And we comforted one another because we need to be in community. I tell you, there's an enemy that wants to separate you. There's an enemy that wants to drive you from the church and drive you from God's presence and make you live this life alone. Don't believe the lie. You gotta get yourself in Christ. If you're not, there's no hope. Keep yourself in the bride of Christ and in community. I tell you, I've never been more proud of this church to see the church be the church and administer the love to one another. So how do we now live? How do we now live in the midst of all this? Well, verses 6 and 7... Uh, We live through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this season of God's favor, we have the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power, listen, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. It's the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. It's in our lives through the gospel. It's the power of God to reconcile us and empower us. It's the power of God that we can stand and be declared not guilty, but it's more than that listen it's the power of god that sin's penalty has been destroyed but its power has been as well we can now live by god's grace godly lives how do we combat this crazy world with jihad no paul says with purity (laughs) with knowledge with love patience kindness truthful speech but you know what he says in there By the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and righteousness. You know what that means to me? The gospel of Jesus Christ. We live this life. We battle this battle. And the reality that God is with us, God is for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to deposit, guaranteeing more to come. He'll never forsake us. We're going to make it home. Do you know how many sheep God has lost, by the way, so far in eternity? Not a one. Do you know how many he's going to lose? Not a one. Do you know for his? We're going to make it home. Do you know what ultimately matters is God's grip on us? And oh, does he have a grip on us? That is amazing good news. Paul says, yeah, there's calamities in my life. There's brokenness in my life. But you know what there is? There's great endurance in my life. There's great endurance because I know that I'm in Christ Jesus. And I know he'll never let me go. I watched a video this week of a seminary mate of mine resigned from his church. And just pray and say, oh God, give me great endurance. Give me great endurance. If if King David can do what he can do, oh man, what I can do. Better men than me have hung it up. Through the hardships, through the calamities, through the brokenness. God give us great endurance for your glory. But I want you to know, Orangewood, you know what my hope is? Jesus. <laughs> he's got a hold of me, and he's not letting go. Man, am I glad. Man, is he my Savior. He's, he's paid the sins, and I'm robed in his righteousness. You know, the amazing thing is, even if I fall, even if I fail, endurance will be mine in Christ Jesus, and it will be yours too. Lastly, we got this paradoxical living. It's crazy. I mean, look at at the end, like eight through thirteen, Paul says all these paradoxes, and the one only one I have time to tell you is this. He says, I got nothing and I own everything. Scripture says if you're in Christ Jesus, all the heavenly blessings, all the blessings in the heavenly realm are ours in Christ Jesus. Ours in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus right now. All the blessings that the obedient son has earned. You and I can now have by God's grace through faith. We someday are not only just going to be in his presence. We're going to reign and rule with our king. Everything he could share with us because the obedient, only begotten Son, He's given to us the world. We may say we have nothing, but in Christ Jesus, whoever you are, you have everything in God's sight. God's equation, nothing plus Jesus equals everything. Is that not good news? Amazing paradoxical living in the midst of a fallen, broken world. The world will want to say you're not reconciled to Him because of the junk in your life. The mirror will want to say to you, You're not in partnership with God because of the brokenness of life. The gospel of Jesus Christ says this You are reconciled, you are mine, and you are in relationship and partnership with me, and I'll never let you go. Though you have nothing, you have everything. I'll never let you go. Let's pray. And Father, I thank you that you in your great wisdom will show us the truth that as Christians, as your children who've been reconciled to you, who've been made new and in partnership with you, that there's still afflictions, there's still hardships and there's still calamities. But Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel, the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of righteousness. And Father, I thank you that in Christ, and Christ alone, we can stand and have victory. And because of that reality that today is the day of salvation. Today, this is the season of God's blessing. And we are to tell the world that it's true in the midst of our tears and our brokenness. Because we're yours. And we're free. And we're loved. And we're forgiven, even in the pain. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen.